0: Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we thank you. How great thou art, Lord. We thank you this morning for the cross. We thank you for the salvation you've given us. And we just worship you, Father. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. Oh, Lord, we praise you and thank you. Thank you. So we have a situation where God is asking us to receive his love. And what does that mean? Really, what does that mean? Um, The picture that comes to me, uh, if someone gives you money, what will you do with it? You accept it and you spend it. (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's what it's for, Right? And so God's love is given to us uh, and what do we do with it? Spend it we spend it. We do things in it. We, we extract the trust that it represents in our life. That God is with us and that God cares for us. And once we take that and, and really believe it and really stand in it then an awful lot of the fears that face us in life can be dealt a pretty deadly blow. Um, if we're waiting for a feeling of that love then you might be you might be waiting a long time and some of you have been waiting and I've been and uh, it's very it's very uh, common that you wait the rest of your life. Um, until the feelings are there. And I, I think the church, uh, especially the Western church, um, is, is God is trying to extract us from a faith that is based in how we feel instead of what is true. And if we think that the Lord is going to take that process away, we're wrong. Um, he's saying this morning, I love you. I love you, I am with you, and if you want to know more about what that means, you just read the Bible, and it will show you, the New Testament shows us very graphically what it means for God to love us, and that he has forgiven us, and that he is for us, he's not against us, but when it comes to doing the work of God, we wait for feelings, or we wait until we have some sense that everything is okay, and... However, we process that in our mind. Meanwhile, the facts are laying there in the scriptures that God loves us and He is with us. Of course, we're going to have everything, uh, in, you know, between earth and heaven is going to come and try to distract us away from that truth. Um, but also, uh, it's something, you know, Willie said, be about my business. And When I was downstairs, I was thinking, it went through my mind, and it stayed with me. Um, I'm a true believer in inner healing. I really am. I believe that we need to get to the root of some of our issues and some of the things uh, that are, you know, challenges and struggles in our life. But I can. it's almost as if, and I don't understand why I'm seeing it this way, but it's as if, It's getting our eye off the mission. We're all waiting until everything is fixed, and then we'll go and do. And that is wrong. Um, It's the cart before the horse. And when Willie said that, "Be about my business," it I believe that God is saying that that we need to yes go through the processes of whatever we have to go through confession and having all of those inner healing processes that God gives us. Um, But if we get solely focused on that and it's all about us and it's all about me getting better and it's all about what's wrong in my life and what happened 60 years ago and all that stuff. There is a time for those things. Absolutely, there is. And it's something that we will consistently do in this church. But it cannot be at the expense of sitting down and not doing anything because somehow we feel because we're broken, we are somehow not able to do anything for God. We are living in a very psychoanalytical time. You can't get near a psychiatrist. You can't get near a therapist. They're just packed out. And it's because we're broken. And the world's starting to realize it. Broken in very real ways. And really, Jesus can do in one session what psychoanalytical therapy takes years to do. But sometimes Jesus also takes a long time. But whether it's a long time or a short time, We have to be about God's business. We have to be about that. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like loving our neighbor. And it looks like doing good deeds. And it looks like prayer and fasting. And it looks like attending church. One of the great, great uh, tricks that's happening in our culture right now is for some reason Western Christians, or at least in my sense, don't think church is important once a month, maybe Once every three weeks, four weeks, they'll drop in. I don't even know why, because they don't know what's going on by that time. What the church, because we're a family, and if you only check in with your family once or twice, you're not going to know what's going on. But anyway, these are the things that God says we should be about. And most of all, speaking to a world that doesn't know them. I don't know what qualifications we think we need in order to speak to somebody about Jesus, but apparently the only thing the Bible says we need is the Holy Spirit. And how many of you, when Bill or Willie or anyone spoke this morning, Heather, they didn't have to sit and and think it all up and, oh, what am I going to say? And it just came, right? It just came. It was there. And the same thing will happen when we dare to put ourselves in a situation to speak to somebody. It will just come. It will. And you engage and God will engage. But we, we somehow, I, I, I don't know what the hesitation, I'm not saying it's, uh, I, I suffer the same thing. But the, God is saying this morning, we have to be about his business. We really do. Whether we're, quote unquote, healthy or not. Right? Now, sometimes we are debilitated to a point that obviously we're curtailed, you know? But I'm talking about the balance between what we think we can do compared to what God can do. And we can do a lot of things, but God can do a lot of things through us if we avail ourselves to it. So that's what I'm getting from what was said here this morning, and it's so concurs with what I was feeling downstairs and it just came out of the blue this morning that we cannot get to a place in our life where we feel because of something that's not finished or something isn't the way it should be or we're not strong or our life isn't happening the way it should that that disqualifies us and gives us a reason not to do the business of the faith so Anyway, we'll leave it there for that. Um, what I wanted to talk about this morning um, was about waiting. Uh, waiting. I hate waiting. You hate waiting. We all hate waiting. And, uh, and our society is built on quick. It's the faster it happens, the better. Uh, buses, Amazon, like, You know, two-day delivery, Amazon. Hallelujah, Jesus. Right? So um, everything is trying to get faster. Um, But there's some real precious... The waiting period is pretty precious. It really is. And God said in Psalm 27, I talk about this piece of scripture all the time, uh, 27, 13 to 14, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Not, he's not Paul, uh, David is not talking about heaven here. He's talking about here on earth. Then it says, wait patiently for the Lord. And then he tells you what that waiting will require. Be brave and courageous Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. And it says, I am confident, yet I am confident. I am confident. And that's, again, not a feeling. I can't express this because I've come through such a journey of having absolutely no connection to Scripture. I had to take it, and it was just words. I had no sense in me that it was true for me. And so I would look at it and I'd say, yet I am confident. And then I'd say, but Lord, I'm not confident. How do you square that? How do you square it? That you're saying, I believe in the Lord when actually something inside of you is going through such a time that you can't even believe for tomorrow. Never mind this almighty God that's out there. And that's where it's, and all I can say about it is just keep saying it. Just keep saying it. Whether it's something that is felt, whether it is something that is resonating in some way, shape, or form, just keep saying it. So, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness. Well, here's here's something that's really complicated because what is the Lord's goodness? Um, the actual... You know, Greek on that. If we go back to it, it's just a, the goodness, the kindness, the intelligence. But th- the thing about it, we have prescribed what God's goodness is to Him. Uh, we have said, "This is what goodness will look like, Lord," and this is what I'm w- w- this is what I want. And so we're waiting for our pre-described goodness to arrive, just like Amazon. It's going to. Come to us in a box, and kaboom, there it's going to be. And somehow, Paul said beautifully, I have learned the secret of being content when I have a lot and when I have nothing at all. And he wasn't just talking about, even though he was in that instance, talking about materialism. I'm sure that was the broad aspect of his life. Regardless of the condition of the life, I have learned to be content. And if we can do that, we have struck gold with the goodness of God because the goodness of God is the actual realization and experiential truth of having Jesus in the midst with you and know that and to be able to believe that no matter what's going on around us. And we will need to get that. If we don't have it already in our life, we will need to get that that the goodness of the Lord is not defined by our circumstantial living, what we are living with, our finances, our comforts, our ease, all of it. That will not dictate God's goodness. What will dictate God's goodness is that incredible precious ability to know that he is in the midst with you, and that takes time. That is not something we're going to learn by reading scripture. It's something we will learn by going through hills and valleys, That's how we'll learn that. That's right. Jesus has to wait. So, I I mean, he has to wait. He's waiting now. Hebrews 10 says, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. So he's waiting. That's what Jesus is doing right now. He's waiting. Waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So even Jesus is waiting for this huge fulfillment of what he did on the cross. And it says, For by one single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It's a very mysterious piece of scripture. But he has perfected you and I, it's done. In the eyes of God, it's done. And we have been made perfect, and we have been made complete. That, I think, is the single most important revelation of the gospel, is that we can totally understand and embrace, and it takes time, embrace the fact that as far as God's concerned about you and I, we are perfect and we are complete. That's a done deal. And uh, I, I think Victoria on Tuesday night in the prayer meeting was talking about the love of God, that if we get a revelation of the love of God, then really an awful, a huge amount of things open up to us as far as possibilities go. And being sanctified, so this is what's going on in our life now, the sanctification process. And it, it's kind of interesting because it. It is to become dedicated to God. To become dedicated to God. Either in distinction, how we are different from other people, that's one way. In devotion, in our love or our enthusiasm for Him, in our moral purity. These are the things that God is perfecting in us. The moral purity is really interesting. Um, way back at the, at the first of when the church started, um, you know, they're trying to figure out how to do this, and they had that conference in in Jerusalem and. They're going, how do the Jews and the Gentiles work together? What are the laws we should do? They didn't know what to do. They were just trying to figure it out. And they came out with a couple simple things. They said, always take care of the poor. Uh, Don't eat meat with blood in it. So that satisfied the Jews. And not that we do that anyway. And then stay away from sexual sin. And it is the great battle in our world today is around morality it is, the, it, is the, it is going to be the divider. But here, God is saying he is in the process of sanctifying us. And it's a process where we live and act differently than the world. We should not be watching the stuff that the world watches. We should not be doing the things that the world does. We should not be trying to cozy up with the culture that we live in. Because it's a death it's a slow death that's happening in our culture. But Jesus is waiting. He's up there waiting too, patiently. I don't think he's wringing his hands. <laughs> I think he's just saying, he's just waiting. And he's saying to himself, and I'm, dare I take any such position to suggest what Jesus is thinking, but he's the same thing he's thinking up there right now, is what he was thinking when he was in the back of the boat in the storm asleep. My father is in control. My father is in control. He had total trust in it. The, the disciples are freaking out. Jesus is in the thing, asleep. Totally fine. Didn't matter to him. And I, you don't know how many times I've prayed, oh God, give me that. Give me that. But... It's a learned thing, trusting god and and being able to go through difficult things and not completely fall apart takes experiences of going through hard things, so God's in the process of sanctifying us, but yet at the same time it's this that sanctification process does not determine whether or not. God is going to save us or is with us or is or that we're going to have our our inheritance. That is a given confirmed thing. But these processes that he's working in us will decide this. It will decide how closely we walk with God. And and our ability to see God and to hear him. If he's just If if God and our faith is just something that we have over here and we have our life here and sometimes we go over there and invest in that, maybe, you know, when, whenever we think about it, then that's the kind of relationship we'll have with God. But if it is a daily walking thing and you think about the Jewish culture where they, you know, put the scriptures on their forehead and on their arms and, and that it was God trying to say, stay close to me. And God wasn't saying that because he's an egomaniac. He's saying it because he knows the level of spiritual warfare you and I are in. We don't. It shocks us when we see it. It really does. We go, whoa, that happened. And we realize that it's something that I've really been thinking about over the last years is that there is a spiritual thing going on that we don't know an awful lot about. There are spiritual principles of how it all works that we really don't understand. Every denomination has got their own idea. Every church has got their own idea about how it all works. But my idea is I don't know. I don't know. The only thing I know is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Why we don't think we're supposed to have trouble, I don't know. Why we think that God is supposed to heal every illness, take away every struggle, move every mountain, change, cross every... I don't understand where we got it. It truly does reflect our culture. The pleasure, the ease that we demand in our culture, we also demand in our Christianity. And you have people, and we have denominations, and we've come through it over the last 30 years especially, where God is supposed to provide you everything you want and that suffering is somehow a failure on your part to be this super Christian and, and you know what? They'll sell a thousand books telling you what you need to change so that you can have this better existence. There is some stuff we have to walk. We just have to walk it. Now, God will meet us in it, and then that's where the inner healing stuff comes, is really trying to find God in the midst of our struggles and to hear his truth in it. That's, that's really the, the whole nutshell of it. But we have got to be prepared as a people that God is not this commercial product that we have created in the West. Those that have come from Africa, those who have come from India, Those who have come from other countries will tell you a much different story than what we expect here. And we could not imagine that we would have to every day wake up and believe God for our food. There are millions and millions of Christians who are doing that. And if we, in what we think, is somehow pointing the finger at them and saying, oh, it's because they haven't understood the abundance of Jesus and all that we've inherited in the resurrection, and all of this is ours and a thousand cattle's on a thousand hills. God will divvy that out as he seems fit. But he's more concerned about our character. He's more concerned about our seeking him than seeking our healing. The healing will get done in the doing. It will. It really will. So what will Christ's final fulfillment look like? Because he's waiting for something to happen. You're waiting for something to happen. And we will have moments of tremendous healing and, and God will deliver and he will change situations. Of course he will. It is the degree to which we demand it and it's the attitude in which we demand it that I think is so grievous But in 1 Corinthians 15, but there is an order to this resurrection because Paul was talking about the resurrection to come. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. We got that. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back, when he comes back the second time. After that, the end will come. When he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father. That's very interesting having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. And, of course, you know, there's different areas in Scripture that talk about that when he comes. It's in Ezekiel. It's in Daniel. It's in Revelation. It's, it's all through the Bible that there is going to be this time where Jesus, uh, the suffering servant, is going to come back, the conquering king, and it's going to, it's going to be a completely different situation. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scripture says, God has put all things under his authority, which is telling us that there's going to be a point where there will be no more death. You and I are eternal beings. So you better love yourself because you're going to be with him or her for the rest of eternity. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself. Which so interesting. Who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the son will put himself under God's authority. It's mysterious what's going to happen there. So that God, who gave his son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. So this is what it's, it's going to look like when the fulfillment of days happens, and I believe we are very, very close to it. We are very close to this happening. We very well uh, may be the generation that will see this all happen, if not our kids for sure. But finally, Paul sums it up like this about the idea of waiting for this and what it looks like for you and I in Romans Romans 8.22. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Like, it's been groaning so long. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. In this world, we will suffer The consequences of sin and suffering. We will. And it's all part of it. It was very much a part, expected part of the early church. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights. See, we want our full rights right now. We want them right now. We want everything that was given to us in the resurrection, everything that was given to us by the atonement, we want it right now and God does give us little bits and pieces here and there. You'll see somebody get healed. You'll see somebody get delivered. You'll see a miracle in somebody's life. You'll see people of course come to faith. But I read that book by Randy Clark about healing and it really it really opened my eyes. I mean, he's probably got one of the greatest most prolific ministries of healing over the last 20 years, 30 years or so. And he kind of, I read the whole book, and at the end of it, it was just kind of, he, he was kind of saying, I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works. He said, you, tr- you do one thing, nothing happens. You do it again, something happens. Somebody prays, they feel the power of God, no one gets healed, somebody else comes, they'd be healed, and boom, the whole thing goes, you know. It's just God does it as he wants to do it. We see the little the little bits of it and pieces of it. But the thing, we want the full rights right now. But that's coming. And until then, we groan for it. We want our minds to be fully controlled by God. We want our hearts to be full of what makes God's heart full. We want to do what Jesus wants to do. We want all that. And we, so we pray for it and we fast for it and we help each other find bits and pieces of it. But there will be a day where it will be full. And trust me, the experience I told you about, I won't go into it long, but the experience I had in Toronto, trust me, you will not have to search for the love of God. You will not have to wonder if your heart is full. You will not have... It's just... It is, it's just it'll be an all-encompassing experience. I can't imagine what heaven is going to be like. Joe knows what heaven is like. She's there now. Yeah? <laughs> She's there having a ball, singing away. <laughs> and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. So it goes on, it says, We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised. Who wants a new body? <laughs> I know. You say, you're 30 years old. Well, I'm doing okay. I kind of like my body. Eh, well, I don't know. Wait until you get around 70. You're looking for a trade-in real fast. But when did you ever think stairs would be a problem? Right? Did you ever go through your life wondering about, gee, I wonder if these stairs if I can get up them? No, you just walk up the stairs. Now it's, like, okay, we've got to go up the stairs. <laughs> We are given this hope when we were saved. This is the hope we have. This is the hope of our salvation. It is that this struggle and this mess that is the world, that one day we're going to be out of it. And that we're going to have the new bodies, and we're going to be done with sin, and it won't even be an issue anymore. We won't have any memory of it. It will be gone. Until then, we wait. We wait. We wait. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Patiently and confidently. And if you go back, it says, yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Wait patiently for the Lord. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is beautiful. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So we have the Holy Spirit who's going to help you and I get through this. These groanings, who knows what that looks like. Maybe sometimes in prayer people have groaned, you know. But what we do know is that the Holy Spirit is interceding. The Holy Spirit is determined to make you succeed. God is determined to make you succeed. I was listening to a podcast, it wasn't a Christian one, but it was all these kind of spiritual people on this talk show. And this one woman got up and was talking, and of course referring to the universe. The universe will give you this and the universe will give you that. But her, the experiences that she was talking about were very obviously God. The things that were happening in her life, bringing things into her life and answering prayers and stuff, it was amazing. It really was. And uh, I just kind of thought it's too bad that you don't don't understand that the universe is a person and that he's real and you can talk to him and he wants to have a relationship with you. But nonetheless, because it rains on the just and the unjust, right? So don't be surprised because people are being blessed and they don't know Jesus, Or that people who know Jesus are having terrible times. You know, it's like a range. But she said something. She said, after all my years, I am determined. She said, I believe and what I really have seen is that the universe wants you to succeed. And I said, okay, take out the universe word. God wants us to succeed. He really does. And he'll either do it through inner healing He'll do it through a miraculous touch. He'll do it through some powerful move of you through the word, going to church, the day in, day out, trotting. One way or another, we are going to succeed. And what does success look like? What does it look like? Who said that? Salvation. That's what it looks like. It doesn't look like a great life here. It doesn't look like all of those, the trappings of our culture. It is salvation. Paul said, this is the working out of your faith, even your salvation. What will make sense is the day we're on the other side and we go, this is why I fought. This is why I believed. This is why I kept going. This is why I cried and beat it. This is why I went to therapy, spiritual therapy, and tried to find Jesus in the midst of my struggle. This is why I took that word and read it and said, I can't feel it, I don't understand it, but I'm going to try, Lord, help me to believe it. Help me to stand another day. And I don't think anyone really will understand. I shouldn't say really It's not the only way, but it's a way I've learned to understand the grace of God is when you can only live one day at a time because your mind won't allow you to live any more than one day at a time. And that's when you see that dependence and you find Jesus in the midst, as Psalm 23 says. So, Father, we thank you for what you're saying to us today. We thank you that you are with us. We're all waiting. You're waiting, Jesus. Uh, we're waiting and we are believing for that great, that great day when you're going to come back and you're going to get rid of the devil. You're going to get rid of evil. You're going to get rid of darkness. You're going to get rid of sin. You're going to get rid of death. You're going to get rid of it all. Until then, we wait. And we wait today as we did in your presence to hear from you And you spoke to us. And you said, Father, you said you love us and that you're with us and to be about your business so, Father, that's what we desire to do. And we understand, as the word says, it is only by your Holy Spirit that we will do it. So, Father, we leave this place today knowing you love us and knowing that the waiting is not, does not mean that you are not with us. Help us to be courageous. Help us to be brave and to face all the lies of the enemy that come while we are waiting and we are seeking and to remember that one day, one day we will be with you. Until then, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is so good. He really is. Really is. And, and you know, it, it takes experiences. We can just say it because we read it, but most of you have been through experiences that you are learning and have learned that God is good. is, is good. Um, let's take up an offering. You know how it works. The thing is at the back.